Thank you for listening to Christian Family Church Podcast. Here at CFC, our mission is to live and communicate the power of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ to the world around us. From wherever you're listening, we hope you'll be encouraged by this week's message. How exciting is that? And big welcome, of course, to anyone who is watching online. I'm so, so glad that you are joining joining me, joining us this morning. Um, you know, it's so easy from the comfort of our own homes to make the decision to just sleep in this morning or to just do our own thing. You know, it's a very, it's an easy choice to make. So I'm so glad that you've made, made that choice and chosen to join us here this morning. Amen. Awesome. Cool. So yeah, I have the blessing and the privilege of sharing the word with you today. And uh, it's always it's always a riveting experience. It's, it's such a wonderful com- uh, combination of, of nerves, but excitement because I do, man, I love the church. I love God. I love Jesus and I love his bride. And that is that is who you are. If, if you've been struggling with worth or your self-value recently, you are the bride of Christ and he adores you, he loves you and uh, he wants to feed you and grow you and do all sorts of wonderful things in your life. So yeah, the last couple of weeks we have been going through a new sermon series called I Choose dot dot dot. (laughs) Um, Now Pastor Andrew, he started it off a couple of weeks ago um, saying I choose Faith. I choose to have faith in those moments when it's hard, but it's all about the, the choice of the decision that we make, isn't it? And we were blessed to have Pastor Sam Chesser share with us last week, um, and we kind of weaved his message into our I Choose series, and he was sharing on I Choose to Come to God. Um, and this morning, we're actually going to be taking a look on a, a biblical expe- a perspective on emotions, because who knows that we live in a very emotionally charged world at the moment, yeah? Super emotionally charged. Um, Now, emotions in and of themselves, they're not essentially good or bad, they're a tool. They're another thing in this world that we have access to that we can steward, yeah? It's just like a hammer. A hammer in itself, it's not an evil thing, it's not a good thing. It can be used for good purposes, like building a house, but it can be used for harmful purposes too. Won't go into detail there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this, this message has been bubbling away in my, in my mind for the past few months. Um, I was listening to a podcast a number of months ago called Girl Next Door Podcast, and th- she was doing a collection on emotions, similar similar idea of what we're chatting about this morning and there was one line in one of her podcasts that just do you ever just have those one little sound bites that just stick with you and then they're just like you know they're super glued to your brain for the next few weeks or months and so that's what this was for me which was we are not supposed to or we're not called to let our emotions lead us but rather we're called to lead our emotions yeah we talk a lot about not being captives, not being slaves. And, and so, you know, we're not called to be captive and slaves to our emotions. We're called to lead them. And we're empowered to do so by the Holy Spirit. 
Um, so yeah, we're, we live in this, in this world that's so high on emotion and, and things like that, but we're called to live differently, called to lead our emotions. So let's start at a very good place to start, which is scripture. If you've got your Bibles with me, please turn to Psalm chapter 86. Um, and, you know, elsewhere in Scripture, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, it tells us that Scripture, it's God-breathed, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And so when we read the Bible on a Sunday, when you read the Bible in your own time throughout the week, you know, let's remember that that's, that's what Scripture is for. It's useful to teach us, to rebuke us, which sometimes we are painful, um, for correcting us and for training us in righteousness so that we can be equipped for every good work that the Father has for us. So let's use it for for that this morning. Um, Just bouncing off Sam Chess's message last week, he asked us the question, what is your idea of God? He used an analogy of when he was, uh, I think, a teenager and he broke a window in his family's house, um, if you remember that from last week. And he had this idea of how his father was going to react. But his idea of of who who his father was was actually not completely accurate to who his father actually was. And, uh, And, you know, sometimes we can have an idea of God that seems like it's the truth, seems like it's, you know, that's who he is. But we need to remind ourselves, no, the only thing with absolute truth is scripture, right? And so we need to, to make sure that our idea of God is, is true and it's lining up with the truth of who he is. We need to come back to scripture continuously to reinforce that. So that's why we're visiting Psalm 86 um, to start off with, because this just so explains the character and nature of God. Psalm 86, verse 15 But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. We are called to know God, to know who he is. We're called to love him and we're called to be like him. Yeah, we're called to to be his image bearers, be his representatives, be the light of the world, just Jesus describes us as. And so, you know, we can, we can take that verse and we say, hey, that's my God. That's the God I'm following. And hey, that's the attributes I want to get from him. Because who knows that in biology, quite often kids take after their parents in some way or another. And so we're naturally, like spiritually, we're to take after our heavenly father. So let's keep looking at some more scripture, at some instruction that's directed for each one of us. And we're going to the book of James Chapter 1, first chapter, verses 19 to 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Now note, in this this scripture, it, it talks about anger as in human anger. So that kind of tells us that there's not just one type of anger. There's anger and then there's, there's anger. There's a human anger that this verse is talking about. And uh, every so often you'll hear people kind of mention that, that scene where Jesus is flipping tables and getting angry in the temple courts and say, hey, Jesus got angry. I am well justified to get angry as well. Um, that's in a particular context. 
But we need, to, we need to know in our hearts that human anger, which is impulsive and, and it's not a right, the righteous anger that Jesus was, was um, going by on that day, impulsive human anger, it, it doesn't result in the righteousness that God desires for us. Um, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. I apologise, I don't think this one's up on the screen. Um, and this verse is so nice, I want to read it twice in two different uh, translations. In the English Standard Version, it says, Whoever is slow to, uh, slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a tasty, te- hasty temper, tasty temper, um, <laughs> exalts folly. And folly is another word for foolishness. No one likes to be a fool, hey? And in the New King James Version, He who is slow to wrath has great understanding, but he who is impulsive exalts folly. So in those few verses that we've just gone through there, there's a big theme kind of interweaving them all together, and that is slow to anger, yeah? Because, you know, anger is just one of the many emotions that we all feel from a day-to-day basis, and our emotions are so often impulsive in their nature. They're, they're quick, they're, they're rash, they're often in the heat of the moment. They can also be fickle, they can change from one thing to the next in a really short period of time. Um, and, and people can make decisions purely based on the emotions that they're feeling at that time. You know, people in, in my generation, maybe it's, um, maybe it's not just unique to my generation, but growing up, I think there were so many messages that were sent to me and, and kids of my age of like, yeah, just, you know, what are your feelings telling you? Like, listen to your feelings. And you know what? The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And so we, as, as believers in Christ, we need to be switched on. We need to be smart. We need to be wise to not trust our feelings in every moment. You know, we can actually question our feelings and be like, hey, is this, is this a right, true, um, you know, trustworthy feeling that I have right now? So, yeah, the Bible is encouraging us to be slow to things like anger. That gives us more time to weigh up, hey, what's the wise choice in this decision? So before we get into the, into the, um, the meaty part of, tonight, of today's message, I'm used to speaking at youth, so if I say tonight, then that's why. Um, <laughs> we're going we're gonna to do a self-check because it's always good to, to have a self-check. It's good to check, you know, in your car, is the engine light on? Does it, you know, is the, is the petrol... Is the petrol low? Do we need to fill up? Do we need to address something? So we're going to ask ourselves, you know, am I being led by my emotions? Ask yourself these questions. And the idea is not to be attacking anyone or, or, you know, condemning anyone. That's not the heart of this at all. Questions like, do I often react quickly and on impulse, particularly in a negative manner? Are my wins, are my goals to look good, to, to be right, to win an argument, to prove others wrong? How tempting are those sorts of wins to try to chase after? Do I often have self-centered thoughts such as, oh, everyone's against me, everyone is treating me so unfairly here? You know, those sorts of generalized thoughts that we have that just paints everyone with the same brush and everyone else is in the wrong and woe poor me, I'm the victim. Um, 
And the reason I can explain this so well is because I have had those thoughts. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm certainly not preaching from a place of perfection here this morning, um, but rather from a place of, of, hey, you know, God is growing me through this and I have a heart to see the rest of the church grow too. Um, you know, these types of thoughts are often so generalised to the point that it's incredibly difficult to pinpoint exactly where the problem lies and therefore, it's nearly impossible to work on a solution. So if you find yourself in these sorts of negative thoughts of like, oh, the world's against me and I'm the only person who, you know, who's doing this, who's doing that, quite often the answer there is actually a mindset shift, yeah? Because, yeah, those, those problems that are so generalised and blown out of proportion, they're not going to get fixed if you're looking at them in that way. Um, and last thing to ask yourself is, am I willing to look silly in the short term in order to submit to God's higher perspective and have the win over the long term. You see, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8 says, The end of something is better than its beginning. Patience is better than pride. And if we can interweave patience into the way that we react and we respond to things, then you know, we will find that the end of something is, is more worthy to be aimed at rather than the beginning, yeah? Patience is better than, than pride because pride says, I want the win straight away. I want to look good right now. But patience says, hey, you know what? Let's just, let's just wait it out for a little bit. So know this, the intention here is not to attack or condemn anyone. Um, you know, just like Pastor Andrew was reading out in communion, the Lord disciplines those he loves, yeah? And, um, and Pastor Chris Davis, a few weeks, maybe over a month ago, he shared here at COC, and he just explained brilliantly what life is like when we're walking with Jesus. Because if we don't have Jesus with us, and we, we fall over, we stumble, we fail, we, we fall flat on our face, and, and so often we can just be, you know, people without Jesus... They're buried under this, this weight of their own sin that they are not strong enough to lift off of themselves. But when we are walking with Jesus, hey, He's the one that lifts that weight off of our shoulders. He sees that we've, we've fallen in our, on our face, we've, we've stuffed up, we've sinned. But He's like, hey, you know, I'm going to lift you up. Of course, we need to have a heart of repentance towards Him first. But He's there to lift us up, brush us off. And it's like, hey, you know what? Sure, messed up. That was a little bit silly, but we're going to work on this together. And we're gonna we're gonna grow from this, and let's see let's see the next thing that we've got for you to do. So we're gonna go through in the next few moments just some tips of how can we lead our emotions because it's such a foreign thing I think in this in this world of of the idea of leading our emotions because so often we just think that our emotions they're exactly who we are and it's just who I am and and. Everything that I feel is complete truth and it's the truth that I'm going to live out of in this moment. But, you know, we can have a higher perspective than, than that as Christians. So what I want you to do for, for the moment is I want you to imagine like all of your emotions, the big, the bad, the good, the bad, the ugly, um, all of the emotions and, and put them all together so that they kind of take the form of like a little child. I'm thinking something or someone about the size of a toddler. What are toddlers well known for? 
<laughs> tantrums. They're known for, for outbursts of joy and extreme excitement. And yes, they're known for throwing themselves on the ground and kicking and screaming and having a fit. Um, and so, you know, toddlers can be explosive in all sorts of directions. And so that's what I want you to think of your emotions as throughout this message, throughout this morning, that it's this little toddler that's like within you or just kind of attached at your hip. And, you know, you don't actually have to base how you respond exactly around what this little toddler is saying to you. Sometimes we completely forget that. We just hear, we hear the, the tantrum that's happening, we hear the fit and we're like, oh, that's what we're doing? Okay, yep, let's respond like that. But no, let's break that connection now and see, you know, there's, there's, there's patience that we can use here, there's wisdom we can use here. So number one of how to lead your emotions, know that your emotions will often be the first to voice themselves in any sort of situation where maybe it's high intensity or just emotionally loaded. Um, so often our emotions, our little toddler will be the first thing to pop into our mind and try to grab our attention. Um, there is wisdom in not reacting straight away to a situation. Proverbs 15, 18 says, hot tempers cause arguments, but patience brings peace. And we're called to be peace bringers, aren't we? So in those moments, take some time to think, pray, or calm down so that you can think or pray. Because there comes a point where we can get so overwhelmed that we can't think clearly and, and we can't pray clearly. That's why people say things like, hey, put yourself out of the situation or give yourself time to cool off. And of, of course, with anything, give yourself grace and give those around you grace. Number two of how to lead your emotions is take into consideration that there may be a better or a higher way to win. There might be a higher goal that's worth pursuing than what you're currently after. So take, for example, right, I'm a youth leader, youth, youth leader by blood, youth, youth leader by, by nature. I love my youth, my youth peeps. Um, I love, I love playing games with them. I love, look, I'm a very competitive person, so I'll just say that. And I want you to picture, it's Friday night and we're here at church, we're having youth, we're playing poison ball. And I'm, I'm in the middle of it. I'm like ducking and weaving and pirouetting out of the way. And I'm showing off my skills to all these teenagers because I want to show to them, hey, Sam might be nearing 30 years old, but she's still got it, all right? She's still got what it takes to knock you guys flat on your faces. Um, I don't actually do that, by the way. Don't send anyone after me. <laughs> um, and so, you know, in that moment, I'm like, I'm going to win. I'm going to show them how cool I am. And then out of nowhere, a ball comes and it clocks me on the side of the knee. And so I have a decision to make. I'm going to have to respond to this moment. I land from the jump that I thought that was dodging that ball and I look over and there's this kid, this 14-year-old kid. Any youth members, this isn't actually based on anyone realistic, so I'm not talking about you. Um, <laughs> but there's this 14-year-old kid, imagine, and he's standing there and he's half like, I can't believe I just got a youth leader out and also, how's she going to respond? And so I have a moment... To, to decide, hey, what am I going to respond like? Because this kid, he's young, maybe doesn't have heaps of self-confidence, maybe a little socially awkward as we all go through that stage, most of us anyway. Um, 
and I have a decision to make. Am I going to turn into a bit of a... Um, or am I, is it going to turn into an explosion? Am I going to kick and have a fit and be like, oh, I can't believe you got me out. That was terrible. Or am I going to make that kid feel guilty for what they've done? Or am I going to turn around and be like, dude, good job. I'm obviously amazing. And so if you got me out, like, that's really cool. And so now it's turned into a situation where I can, <laughs> where I can lift up, where I can build the confidence and I can bless that, that young person in that moment. So my first def- definition of winning there was to look good, wasn't it? It was, it was narrow-minded. It was self-centered. It was about just winning just the game at hand, poison ball. And often it's so easy to get caught up with those narrow-minded and self-centered wins. Other examples of that, are, yeah, just wanting to look good in front of people and, and wanting to be right and prove another person wrong or just winning an argument. And you'll notice that a lot of these wins are rooted in pride. But to find the higher way to win, we actually need to elevate our perspective. In the poison ball example, the higher win was to love on that teenager by using that situation to build their confidence. So how do we elevate our perspective in any given situation? This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. When we take that time to quiet ourselves and to just tune in to that that small, still, quiet voice, he brings new and elevated perspective to a situation. He brings that God perspective, yeah? But you see, jumping from that lower perspective to that higher perspective doesn't just happen at the click of your fingers. It's not something that often happens overnight. So that's where point number three comes in that we need to learn to humble ourselves and to let go of pride. And the key word there is learn, yeah? Who knows that, you know, when we become a Christian, yes, Jesus washes our sins clean. He, he, he brings us from not right standing with God to right standing with God. We're welcomed with open arms into the kingdom of God, the family of God. We are given an eternal inheritance. That's all amazing and that's all true. But also we are then set on a new journey of sanctification, of transformation, where each day we are being transformed to become less and less like that sinful nature and more and more like like Jesus Christ our Lord, yeah? So let's not be disheartened when there's times where we need to grow, all right? That's part of the process. And it's a good thing to know um, when, when the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on something and saying, hey, this is our next project that we're gonna work on together. So like I said before, so many of those narrow-minded wins come from a place of pride. We want to feel superior to others. We don't want to look bad. We don't want to admit we were wrong. And I'm certain that this is something we can all relate to. So listen to this for yourself. Don't sit there being like, oh, I really hope Patricia's listening today. This is really speaking to her situation. (laughs) Um, we We want to listen to what God is saying to us because... Otherwise, we're missing out on the growth he has for us. So pride, it's part of our sinful nature. And praise God that if Jesus is your Lord and Saviour, you're not enslaved to your sinful nature. You actually have a choice. You can choose. So we're going to look at James chapter 4, verses 1 to 10. James is just, oh, 
It's definitely my favourite book of the Bible. I just, if, if you are new to reading the Bible, um, I'd recommend Mark. Mark's a great place to start. But also James is just, mm, it's so yummy. It's like honey. It's good. <laughs> okay, James chapter 4, starting from verse 1. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think the scriptures say without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. And that is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but he shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. When we learn to humble ourselves, forsaking our pride, it's a bit like letting go of control, yeah? Letting go of, of that control that we want to hold on to over how other people see us, yeah? It's even, it's even sometimes letting go of the control of how we view ourselves. Sometimes we want to view ourselves in a particular way. But in that passage comes a great and a profound promise. Laying down our pride will actually result in the God of the universe lifting us up. No one likes, no one likes it or feels comfortable when there's, when there's someone who's just tooting their own, own horn and who's just lifting themselves up, yeah? You can, you can, it speaks volumes when other people are the ones who's talking about, hey, you know, Pastor Andrew, he's awesome. I'm picking on you, yes. Um, Pastor Andrew, he's awesome. You know, he's great because of this and that and the other. And it has, it has more of a, um, a weight to it when other people are lifting this one person up. So how much more of a weight when the God of the universe is the one lifting you up? How humbling is that? He wants to lift us up as we humble ourselves before him. God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. So talk about a higher perspective, hey? Higher than any other situation here on earth, greater than any relationship that we could have with another human being. Shouldn't we place the highest value on our relationship with our Creator, with our Father from heaven, with our Saviour? Shouldn't that be the new and the greatest win to not be in the position of God opposing us, but to be in the position of his favour. Does that not sound like the wind to be above all winds? So when our win, when our purpose in life comes from that high up, it flows down into every other area of your life. I'm going to, as I'm wrapping up this morning, I'm going to, 
I want to have like a little bonus point, and I call it a bonus point, so you can all be like, ooh, bonus, I love bonuses, they're great. Um, and I want to speak specifically into the topic of offence, because I'm passionate about this, because I see the danger in it. And when I think of the word offence, and don't laugh at me, hear me out on this one, I think of a literal fence, yeah? A big corrugated iron um, fence. Uh, for some reason, it's green. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> and when I think of offence, you know, being offended and offence, it puts up literal fences and, well, not literal, but figurative fences and walls between people, yeah? Think about, you know, houses that, when I go on a walk, who's been going on lots of COVID walks? I reckon I've been more active because of COVID. Or rides, yes, or runs, who knows? Um, when I go on walks, I'm a bit of a sticky beak and I just love looking into people's gardens and I love to see what they've got going on. I just, I love it. I'm, I'm a sticky beak, so I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, sometimes you walk, past, you walk past people's houses and they have these big, massive hedges or walls or, or fences up and you just, you can't see into their yard. And so, you know, in the context of a house, that's perfectly fine. People are uh, allowed to have their privacy if they would like it. But in the context of us as Christians and us being called to love thy neighbour, you know, we're not supposed to have these big walls and fences up because it says, hey, you're not welcome here. You're not supposed to be here. I don't want you seeing. I don't want you in here. Yeah. And so offence does that. It builds up these walls and, and gives, gives off these signals to people around us of like, no, sorry, you're not allowed here. This relationship, it's not happening. And so offence, as I see it, it's a weapon of the enemy. It has the devil's fingerprints all over it. Jesus describes the, de the attributes of the en enemy in John chapter 10, verse 10. And he says that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, or the thief. And look, I would say the same of taking offence. It steals my focus because when I'm offended, I become so narrow-minded and caught up with defending my good name and defending my good honour. And I get this, this tunnel vision where I don't get any other sort of perspective. It kills my humility. It kills my willingness to lay down whatever pride that I have. Um, and man, if, if you've got people in, in communication without humility, that re results in, in not genuine and coherent conversation. And so therefore it, it ends up destroying relationships because we need to converse with one another. We need to commune with one another um, in order to have those healthy relationships. So the answer there, again, is it just comes, comes back to reflecting who our God is, yeah? Forgiveness is the answer there. Grace is the answer there. And another one for us to hold on to is resilience. Yeah, to not, to not place such a high value on how other people, how humans view us. And so that would lead to us getting offended, but instead place that high value on how our creator, how our God sees us. Yeah, and then it doesn't matter if people say offensive things to us. It doesn't matter if, if people even, you know, say things that just are blatantly wrong we can find comfort and we can have that resilience to stand against that and to stand firm against that because we know what God says about us. We know that we, we stuff up, we fail sometimes, but we are in right standing with God and he is transforming us into a new person, into a new creation. So 
So as I finish this morning, I'll welcome the band back up. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I just want to leave you with the idea that when we, when, we, when we go into our everyday life, we do, we live in an emotionally charged world, especially on the internet, um, on social media, but also in, in person. Um, but we are called to live differently. We're called to not let our emotions lead us. We're not called to listen to that little toddler and have you know, that person calling the shots the whole way, but rather we're called to, to have patience. We're called to have, have listening ears to the Holy Spirit so that he can elevate our perspective, yeah, because the highest win is, is falling in line with our creator, that is the highest win that we can have. And, uh, and man, he loves us so much. Um, amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, band, for, for all that you guys do. Oh.